You're tuned into Made for Mondays with Justin Lester. Justin Lester is an average guy who refuses to let Mondays control him. Justin is a husband, dad, pastor, student, and Jesus follower. He's done a lot. He's learned a lot. And he wants to see you at your best. Let's win Mondays. Hey, Justin, what's up today? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Made for Mondays. It's Justin here. I'm glad all of you joined in today. I'm so happy to have another special guest with us on our podcast. Today, our special guest is my sister, Camille Lester, who is a licensed therapist in Manhattan, New York. Her care for black and brown women is just absolutely amazing. And I believe you'll be blessed by this podcast. In this podcast conversation, we talk about everything from what is self-care, the difficulty of actually doing self-care, what it means as a person of faith to be a person who prays and also cares for yourself, for parents and how to care for teens, and also just a bunch of other things we cover uh, as it means to be a leader in the midst of COVID-19 and self-care to lead yourself and love yourself. Now, let's jump right into this. Now, we did this on a Zoom call, so the audio quality is not the best but the audio quality still gets across the message that Camille is trying to share with all of us. So you were made for this. Let's jump into our podcast today. So I thought the best thing to do was actually to bring a therapist into the conversation to actually talk about mental health, stability, depression, anxiety, and self-care. And so um, I didn't have to go too far because my sister uh, is, has her own practice down in New York, New York, New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a big deal Holyfield. And so we're grateful to welcome her again to Congdon Street. She's been here a number of times. And so welcoming her again. Hey, Camille, welcome back to Congdon Street. Hello, everybody. I can't wait to see you guys soon um, when all this Corona stuff dies down. So I'm so happy that you reached out and that I'm here to kind of talk about mental health and what it is, what self-care is, what, yeah, everything. That's so awesome. Like, you're in the center of Corona, too, Auntie Rona. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think, like, so we're in Harlem, and I, I, I just, I feel like a lot of it has like we hear a lot of sirens, but I think a lot of the girls that, that are being affected, like the Bronx and Queens, so we're not hearing as much, but yeah. it, it is very grounding to hear all the sirens every couple of minutes. Jesus, I can, you know, we hear them occasionally here in Providence, but not, I can only imagine just from the commercials I've seen what New York is really like. Yeah. Um, so if you would though, tell us a little bit about you. So who are you? How did you, how did you get to where you are? Cause we're, we just finished a series on habits and I think it'd be nice to hear for someone like you, we have a lot of amazing college students that are where we really challenge them on diving into who they are. And so um, how did you get to where you are in terms of practice, pursuing your PhD, all of that type of stuff? And who are you? Yeah. So, well, first and foremost, I'm Justin's little sister, right? That's, like, that's always going to be my, my title. But um, so I, I went to um, undergrad in Chicago. I went to DePaul University. Um, where I studied psychology and black studies. And then I came back home to Milwaukee actually for a little bit and thought I wasn't gonna go to law school. I remember talking to you a lot about it. Um, but it was it was during like Trayvon Martin and all the stuff coming out. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if that's for me, if, 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 mm-hmm. if the law is how I really wanna make an impact. I've always been really passionate about black folks. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked in child protective services for a little bit at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Um, and I found it was so like the stories of the moms and of the families that, that were losing their children, that did lose their children. 
that was what was most captivating and spending time with them was really special. So that's what I was like, you know what, maybe I'll be a therapist. Maybe before people get into the, the legal system, there's something that I can do. So I went to Marquette University for my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, and then um, I got engaged, moved to New York City, and I started my PhD in developmental psych. Um, big picture is just to center Black folks and Black women specifically um, with birth work and doula and somehow making a practice that's centering Black women is the ultimate goal. But I got here because um, I just wanted to help Black people. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but um, that's really what I wanted to do. And I thought it was law and ended up being therapy and I love it. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I think it's so important to I think I think a notion of, of of care is actually doing what our hearts drive us to do, right? Instead of doing what money always tells us to, because when we do what our hearts drive us to do, money will be there, right? Um, okay. and, and that's something I'm learning. I think I think we're all learning it um, with that. So thank you, thank you. So with all of that, um, like we said, we just preached on self care this month. We're going into I'm preaching a series on Jonah, on what it means, on just all of that suicide, running away, all of that, and yeah. I had the challenge I have with Jonah is that if Jonah had been in tune with himself from the beginning, he would have just went right to Nineveh, right? And rejoiced and then kept moving. And so I wanna, before we jump into all of the, I think the fluffy parts of things, I wanna jump back into love your neighbor as yourself. What, what, are you, what do you see as some of the challenges in our world, in our culture, that stops us from caring about who we are, what our heart says, what our soul says, what our mind says? What are some of the challenges you see or have encountered while we say no to, to ourselves? I mean, the first thing that I'm going to say is a very personal answer, which is capitalism. I mean, let's just be clear <laughs> that, I mean, we, I mean, we have to work to kind of to eat basically, and we have yeah. to do things to survive. And so a lot of the things that I've been seeing, even in the groups that I run here in the city, um, the, what the last conversation that, that we had was like enduring being a black woman in the workplace and how there's been so much stress and um, depression, anxiety, all the things wrapped up and just surviving, but they're like, you know, I have to eat, so I have to do it. And so it's thinking about just the impact of like needing to be sustained and the impact on our bodies and our mental health. And yeah. so for me, I think it's just the culture that we're in of like working, being productive, making money, being seen, being noticed, and just surviving that, you know, really impacts our mental health in general. But like, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've been seeing, especially is just like wanting to survive and like yeah. move up in the ranks. And that means, you know, having to sacrifice yourself sometimes yeah. In, yeah. in the midst of it. So in all of that, then how can we, because that's real, right? Because we have to go to work nine to five, eight to five. Sometimes some of us are going eight to five and then five to nine, five to eight, right? So how, how can we, or what are tips that you have or suggestions that you might have and how we can practice self-care in the midst of a world that's telling us to do it, but then making us work so that we can't do it. Like how, how can we, or what would you challenge us? Um, yeah, how, what would you challenge us to do in terms of caring for ourselves? Yeah, so the main thing I've been talking about a lot is that like, you know, we're existing in a very dysregulated world right now. And so when you think about dysregulation, it's like trying to basically find your footing in an environment that's like chaotic, which is basically mm -hmm. life right now, that like mm -hmm. everything that we've known is, no longer or it's changed mm -hmm. we're losing people we're losing moments and so the I, I love that you're on this topic because the most um the most 
beautiful thing that we can do for ourselves is regulate internally, which a lot of folks have been doing is turning inward or like, you know, like figuring out ways to care for themselves in a very revolutionary way. Um, because all of the stuff that's happening is so external. So the main, the, the first thing that, that I um, wanted to talk about is just remembering your humanness, which is just like, it sounds very cliche, like we're all human, but we are human. And um, the first thing is that like, we're all kind of going through grief and the grief looks different for everybody, but that um, we're all losing something, whether it's our routine, it could be, um, our favorite coffee shop that we like go to like, you know, get some peace in the middle of a stressful day, whether it's like, you know, our work buddies, I mean, whatever it is, our actual life, like we're, we're all losing something. So it's remembering the fact that we're, we're in a state of collective grief and loss and it's acknowledging that and letting yourself feel what you need to feel to be human basically. Wow. wow. Can, you, can you mention that little about grief because I, I, when it comes to like you talk about the loss, right? I'm, I am. Uh, we're we're grateful that in our congregation we've had we've had nobody pass away to COVID. That's good. Um, and we've had a couple. We've had one individual and some extended family members who've uh, been affected by it. And I I don't look forward to. I pray I don't have to. And I'm saying this to the church too. I pray I don't have to preach a funeral on this. But yet we're losing families, loved ones. We're not able to go to the funerals. My friend did a funeral and literally he preached the whole thing through his AirPods. Mm. right at the gravesite and people were lined up all the way down the street and he preached it on a conference call on his airpods to people um because they couldn't go to the church the funeral homes have regulations so that's that's lost the person but what are some other ways that you are seeing or ways that we can not just cope but conquer grief um in healthy ways um whether it's the loss of a person jobs um people being furloughed relationships um i'm reading statistics about the amount of married couples that are sleeping separately now because it's so why you got kids losing your parents, kids losing experiences. Because as much as we like, I look back on it like it's prom. But if I think of I'm 16 and I lost my prom, right. I mean, that is that I've worked hard to, to think yeah. it sucks to get the limo or even those who graduated from college. Like you remember that? Like graduating from college, your parents, your first gen, especially for us that are black and brown, we got a lot of first gen students. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how can we work through, um, you know, without us just like throwing a random graduation, how can we work through conquering and overcoming grief and loss um, right now um, with without community? Right, right, right. Well, um, I so the traditional cycle of loss and grief is like you mm-hmm. have the loss, then there's shock, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the game, like we're kind of, and I sent you the um, infographic, which maybe you can post um, while we're yeah. talking, but um, the reality is that it's all very messy, that there's no like, there's mm-hmm. no steps to like, okay, I lost my job. Um, I'm really angry. I feel sad. Okay, I'm going to bargain with it. And now I'm better. But it's the fact that we're constantly cycling through stages of grief, like at, at rapid paces. So one day you might feel really angry. The next day you might feel hopeful. And the next day you feel really anxious. I mean, it's understanding that at this point in time, we're not, this isn't normal. This isn't, this is deeply dysregulated. And so it's allowing yourself to not feel bad or to not even like, like sometimes people are so used to and because of culture and tradition it's like okay I feel this way I'm gonna put this in a box and I'll deal with it later but the reality is is that we have to feel all the things so maybe that's like taking a second to just and this is a dbt skill but it's just saying 
like repeatedly, this is life right now. And just saying it over and over and allowing yourself to feel the weight of that. And yeah. it's, it's not trying. So I guess like my first step is just allowing yourself to really feel the waves of, of grief, of anger, of sadness, of isolation, of joy, of hope, of all the things. And not thinking that you have to rush out of it, but allowing yourself to feel it. Wow. Yeah, that's... um. I guess that's that's something the weight of emotions and I, I guess too for me as a black man that's just something like it comes to emotions for me I, I joked him I, well you know this I wrote a book and so in the book I joke about how I just took that out on the football field right so I just was like if I felt anger if I felt sadness you go to the Y you just you hard foul a couple people and just let all your anger out yeah. um, and just hit someone and, and call it a hard yeah. foul or smack one in the mouth and all of that and but when you don't have those spaces so I guess I think the same thing kind of transitions over into this moment so what, what about, so one of the other things, I think I mentioned Jesus on the phone earlier, was like, so when I have, in our, in our congregation, we have a lot of people who are leaders, entrepreneurs. Um, we have one a year follow through. And so on one side, we have um, some individuals and we're wrestling with the loss and grief, but also then we have people who are making the decisions on somebody else's loss and grief, unfortunately, right? So I have to let you off. I have to let you go. Um, even I'm in that position that we're not firing anyone at CSPC. Don't, don't y'all email me. We're not, but, um, but even I'm in that position too, where um, we have leaders who are making those decisions. What, what would you say in terms of self-care for them when they're in the decision or in the space where they're looking at budget line items, like you said, capitalism, you're in budget line items. Um, and as much as you care about them and we are in this whole movement of adaptive leaders and collaborative leaders. And, but yet in this moment, the best way our business can collaborate and we didn't get the SBA loan is I've got to release you, I've got to let you go, but I know you have three kids. How, how can we care for ourselves and also care for people that we work with and that work for us um, when we have to make some really difficult decisions and something we can't figure out? Yeah, and it's interesting because when you mentioned it to me, I was like, I have to really think about this because um, there's really no rule book to this. I think, um, you know, just having sat with folks who've had to let people go and just like, the, the pressure of it, but also like the fear of it for themselves. I mean, I think the main thing that I would recommend is like really examining like, what is your, like to you, like what is your role as a leader? And like, what does leadership mean for you? And at like, I know that that's like, when we think about like being a leader, it's like, yes, I'm gonna lead this team. I'm gonna make these agenda items. I'm gonna make these goals but there's always a flip side to what it means to be a leader. And it's also understanding that um, sometimes it's making really hard decisions and it's not easy. Um, and so it's thinking about like re-examining and like sitting with like, what does it mean for me to be a leader? And what does it mean for me to lead through really difficult times? And, you know, I don't have like really the perfect answer for that because it's not easy. I don't think letting someone go that has children or, putting someone on furlough is easy, but I think it's like trying to tap back into yourself of like, well, I have the confidence in myself when I got this job and when I did this thing, when I got the promotion to being manager, boss, executive leader, um, I have to also trust in that inner power to like withstand the really hard moments of this role of loss. And I think, again, going back to that cycle of loss and of, of course talking to a, a trusted, like clinician through it because it's not just going to be as simple as what is a leader to me okay cool but it's like for like a baseline idea it's like well what does it mean for me to lead and I can lead through like hard times I can lead through good times 
but I also need, need to lead through these unprecedented times and trusting yourself that you have the strength to do it. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I have two questions. One, two questions off of that. Well, one off of that and then one um, from before. So I guess when I, when I think about that, there's, there's one of the first things I, I wanted to respond with is, um, so then how, what, what can we do in general, like in terms of ABCD to care for ourselves that are not the $500 manicure, right? Yeah. Like I mentioned, I mentioned in the sermon about how like a way that I care for myself is to go to a basketball game, right? So we go to a women's basketball game, but literally right now, I mean, like we yeah. can't go. Um, yeah. The same thing with like going for a run where you can't stay at the park. Our, our Camden would love to go to the park, but he can't touch the jungle gym, right? And so we like literally are like skirting by parks and like hoping he doesn't see it, you know, yeah. because he, you know, and the same thing of like even like hugging other kids. So we see kids in the apartment building, but like you can't hug them, right? And so, and, but that that's different ways we care for ourselves. So what are some tangible ways that are not the $400 manicure, that are right. not the basketball game, that yeah. we can care for ourselves in this moment to, to be sane with who we are as individuals um, in this season? Yeah, so um, I guess like leaning off of that first tip of like tapping into your humanity and your humanness, understanding the cycle of grief and that it's natural and normal to feel happy, excited, sad, joyful, all in one day or all in one week, but it's like leaning into that. The second tip that I, I've been telling a lot of clients is um, get grounded. And I had this like in air quotes because when I say get grounded, so the way that I work as a therapist is through like embodiment. And so understanding that like our bodies are our compasses, that are guides through the world around us. And so the first tip is get grounded by activating our senses. And it sounds cliche, but like, bear with me. It's really kind of liberatory when you think about the joys of, of like being intentional and mindful around cooking and smelling and tasting, maybe repotting some plants or feeling some dough in your hands or um, like taking a really long bath or just like really indulging your senses because in many ways our bodies keep score they, they keep score of anxiety depression sadness whatever but they also help us with um feeling like a sense of groundedness so if you can indulge your senses first and foremost um through the little things it doesn't have to be a facial even though that is a sense but it can just literally be like putting on lotion in a very mindful way repeating like this is life right now and like really just like putting on your lotion and saying that out loud I mean it could be a lot of things but um my first tip that I've told folks is like get grounded and activate your senses thank you no that's that's real the the, the last question I had for you um there's something based upon something you said earlier is so then as a person of faith as people of faith because one of the places I think where mental health gets it's wonky because we don't talk about it right it is in church spaces and it's how do we talk about the, the meshing of faith and mental health and self-care, right? And so for people in our congregation, um, and even yourself as a person of prayer, as a person of faith, a person who believes in God, how, how, how can you balance both of those without it becoming this, um, like this, like originally, to tell you the truth, so when I first was going to preach this series, uh, this sermon, I was like, oh, I can like do it like in a quote-unquote therapist's office and lay on a couch. And I was like, actually, I've never done that, right? Personally, I've yeah, never, that's not the, yeah, right? So, but that's the image that's painted. Picture of an old guy or old woman staring at you and asking you these really, really deep introspective questions. And then like you have this big memory of being two years old and it has nothing to do with faith. How, how yeah. can we keep living as people of faith, as, and, it, and, and people of faith who are okay to not only pray, but has prayer 
being a part of self-care and care for ourselves, believe, like that believing in God does not take away my faith, right? Mm-hmm. And how, how, how can we as people of faith keep our faith strong while be, and being comfortable with being humble enough to take care of ourselves? Yeah, so I, um, I have one more tip that I'll share in a second, but okay. um, I guess like for me, as I think about that, it is getting like really firm about routines. And I think um, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to depression, when it comes to really any like, um, you know, mood disorder, things like that, a lot of things are based on uncertainty and fear of the unknown. And so, um, like, I could tell you many thought spirals that folks will go on when it's like, well, I don't know what tomorrow is going to be. And I'm thinking of all the things that could go wrong. And that will kind of keep us in our own world. And so I think people of faith have um, a privilege in in a way, as the Bible says, cast all your cares on him. Um, And this idea that, like, and I, I remember you texting me this when I was in college. I don't, I don't think you remember, but I remember I, I was sad about something, probably some boy, or I don't even know what it was. But you you told me that, you know, um, God's grace renews each day and that like his grace is sufficient for us. I don't even, I don't even think you remember it, but I remember like walking into a psych class and I had a text from you and I was like, okay, I got it. But it's this idea that like God's grace is sufficient for us. And even if we can't see and we don't understand because we're human and we won't. And even me being a therapist is hard for me to help people sit in moments where, I mean, cause I don't even know, right? Like I don't know what next month is going to be. Um, but I have the privilege of being able to be in devotion with Christ and be prayerful and hopeful and trusting that, you know, he has the final say, this is not new for him. Right. Yeah. And so it's, I think we have a true privilege to be Christians in this moment because, um, God is on our side and whatever will happen, we're going to be okay. Yeah. No. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. And that's, um, that's helpful. I, I thank you. Is there anything else that you would want to suggest or want to share um, as we as we like we're in this series, including about healthy habits and self-care and next month we're going into May is Mental Health Month. Is there anything that you would want to share or um, ensure that we know as people of faith, as individuals, as black and brown bodies um, in yeah. the, all this pandemic? Yeah. So going back over the tips, the first tip was be human get grounded. The last tip is boundaries, which I think leads all into that. Like if you're able to understand the fact that, um, you know, you're human and that you're grieving and that, you know, you feel hopeful, you feel joy, you feel sadness. And the fact that you're going through these steps of maybe praying out loud to God or or you're doing things somatically to kind of regulate your body. The last tip is boundaries, which I think um, I've been talking about this so much lately with my clients and just with friends. Um, that, you know, boundaries are like the guideposts. Like, it's kind of like if you see, like, if you're driving on the street and the sign says, slow down, road is closing soon, but that road never closes. It's the same thing with, like, when we're like, you know, I'm really stressed out, you know, to your friend. I really don't feel like talking today. Um, But they keep talking and you just keep allowing it to happen. And it's kind of like, all right, three hours later, I'm still on the phone. And now I'm pissed. And so when we think about boundaries, especially right now, because I think everyone feels so hyper available because we're home, right? We're home, but we're not necessarily available. And so, but I think like, you know, there's been folks who, whose parents will call hours at a time, whose friends will call and just be anxious and that allows you to become dysregulated. So the biggest thing to do is to be firm. And I think, um, 
it's being selfish and I don't know if folks of color, we're not really taught to be selfish with our bodies, with our time, with ourselves, especially growing up in a black or brown home. I mean, I think I, I remember mom always saying this to us, that like, you know, this bed isn't really ours, this room isn't really ours, you know, like it's not our stuff. So if she wants to come talk to us, she's gonna come talk to us, right? But the idea is that, um, being firm on your boundaries is being selfish. And so it's saying to your friend, look, I really love talking with you, but you know, I only have 20 minutes today, right? Or it's it's just letting them know, look, I love talking with you, but I'm not really willing to talk about COVID today. I'd love to talk about anything else. But it's trying to understand like what that limit is for you. And so I'll send Justin and I'll and maybe during this you can kind of put on the screen but I'll send you kind of some 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 firm tips but the ways to really be have boundaries is to one be affirming pivot and then um also have some hard lines of what you need so I'll I'll put that on on the screen with examples um but yeah I mean that's kind of the main yeah the the main advice I have about that, but that's been coming up a lot for folks, and I've seen I see it with myself too. So yeah, no, thank you. Um, that's powerful. I guess um, the, the last thing, and sorry, <laughs> this is this is a okay. in my head. So we're we're the the lesson we have, I have a lesson we created for our children. Um, because um, one thing we're noticing, but even our child Cam is his emotions and his feelings are starting to be on his sleeve, and we have a lesson we're going through the book of Jonah with our kids too, all month. What I'm noticing is the, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the suicide rates among teenagers um, is skyrocketing um, um, uh, on a very scary rate to me. And um, I don't want to get too numb to that. We, we, have, a, we have a lot of kids and, and teens in our church. What would you say to them um, mm -hmm. in terms of not just self-care, but just, just, you know, the loss of screen break, loss of friends, but then not just that, but just that is the biggest thing right now, right? And so, um, and, and knowing that depression, anxiety, and suicide, and we had, I think, a couple at a couple high schools here this year in, in Rhode Island um, that committed suicide, and, um, and I don't want to ever get numb to that, um, and I don't, I don't want that to get creep into our space. So what can we do? So I know we can do that in terms of professionally. Um, would you apply the same thing to teenagers, and how, how would that apply differently to teens and, and, and little ones um, who, like you're right, that door, that door better stay open, right? But how, how, do, we, how do they communicate to their parents, hey, yeah. listen, right now, I'm not going to play video games. I'm not watching pornography. I just, I just need to stare at the wall. I need to listen to Renegade. You know what I mean? I need to, I need to do something. Yes, how can we, yeah, yeah. yeah to, to teenagers? Yeah, I actually wrote an article about this in the, in the Successful Black Parenting Magazine, and it was geared towards parents, because I think that they play such a crucial role in, in, in teens and children because, I mean, for Camden, like your home and you and Courtney really are his universe, right? Like mm -hmm. you're the ones that's teaching him relationships early. You're teaching him what's normal, what's not. And so I think, I hope parents are also kind of listening and being keyed into this. But for a lot of teens, like sheltering in place is also sheltering away or living in shelter from their lives when children leave, like when Cam leaves and he's at school, I mean, he's someone else, I mean, not that he's someone else, but he has his own sense of identity away from, you know, home. And the same thing, especially with teens, that their identity is really not in home anymore. It's with their friends, with their peers. I mean, biologically speaking, that is what's happening. Like they, it's peer, peer support, peer approval, not really asking your mom for help, asking your friends. And now you're like in shelter from all of that. And so I think, um, there are some tips that, that um, parents can be on the lookout for if 
their kids may be exhibiting um, de depression or anxiety, like if they feel very keyed up, if they um, are more isolated than normal. I mean, yes, we're living in isolation, but if they're more isolated, um, you know, if, if they, you know, aren't very talkative, if they're not sleeping well, if you're seeing sleep dysregulated, but for teens specifically, um, it's trying just to be open. And I know it's hard to say that because parents also have to check themselves of um, my child is growing and they have needs that are above and beyond my understanding. But it's for teens, it's, it's like, I'm telling you that it's normal to feel really annoyed with your family. It's normal to feel pissed off at your family, to feel mad at the world that you're stuck at home and you wanna see your friends and Zooms yeah. never long enough. Um, or your partners or who, who, whoever it is that you spend time with. But I think the main thing is try and just talk to your parents openly. Say, look, mom, I, I, I need some time to myself. I love you. I'm okay. I just want to spend tonight by myself. Or I would like to, you know, create time in, in my routine to FaceTime my friends. Like, I have to do that every day. It's just really important to me. Um, but my call to parents would be is listen to your kids. Um, and be democratic with your routines. Don't say you have to do this, you have to do that, but let them kind of create some routines too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think like it's a two-way street of parents have to allow children to be free and like have identity and young people have to also like lean into their voice of, hey mom, I just really need this from you right now. And it's not, it's not really, maybe it's not eating at dinner right now. I just need to spend time in my room, so. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for this. This was um, this was powerful, enlightening, and I pray that every person listening and watching is is blessed immensely by this. Let me ask the last thing: how how can we get in contact with you, and 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 what are you doing, and all of that? Because we we've been blessed on both podcast as well as our our online service to reach people all the way to New York too, uh, which is really yeah, cool. We cool. actually someone uh, who gave their life over to Christ is from New York and joined our online church and uh, which awesome. is really cool. And so uh, I'm excited about it. And so yeah. if someone to get in contact with you, even in the midst of this or the future, if they had questions to follow up with you, how can we reach out to you? Um, where are you all the time? Yeah, you can reach me at therapy with C, C as in Camille, um, on like on Instagram, on my website. Like that's like the best way to contact me. Um, I do, I do have some groups and some like low cost options for folks, um, all virtual. So um, I'm, tr I'm trying to do my best to like, you know, plug into the community and the needs. So therapy with C across all platforms. I'm based in Manhattan in Herald Square. So, um, but if outside opens back up, yes, that's where I'll be. But if not, I'll be accessible via therapy with C. Awesome. Camille, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for all this. This is awesome. And um, that, that that information that Camille sends over will be on the email that goes out uh, after worship. Also, for those of you watching on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. You guys are able to access that and reach out to her with all the information there too. So Camille, thank you. We're going to stop the recording uh, in a second. Okay. Well, I pray you were blessed by that today. Let's say our affirmation and jump into our week. If you repeat after me, simply say, I am me. I can be me. No one will stop me from being me. I am me. You were made for this. Have a wonderful day. This has been Made for Mondays with Justin Lester. Be sure to follow Justin online at Mr. Underscore J Lester and online at www.jlester.com. See you next week. Go win. You were made for this.